from Rogers Arena, calling Canucks games. It is Brendan Bachelor, Bachelor, Bachelor. 801 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy Halloween, everybody. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks, is going to join us. I had a tonight's game, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena, Canucks, Preds. Hour three of this program is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. And we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at kintech.net. Canucks, Preds, tonight, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. Our next guest will be on the call. It's Brendan Batchelor here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Batch. How are you? I'm well. How are you guys? Uh, we are well as well. We spent a lot of time talking about the Vancouver Canucks this morning, about their upcoming opponents. Uh, we didn't spend a ton of time talking about the one, uh, not significant, but a noteworthy lineup change. It looks as though Dakota Joshua might be out as a healthy scratch. Jack Stadnika draws in, but not necessarily into the spot you might be thinking. What are we expecting to see tonight, Batch, with regards to lines for the Vancouver Canucks? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure because when Tockett was asked about Joshua, who was essentially demoted out of the top 12 forward group at practice yesterday, when he was asked about it after practice, he said, well, you know, it's it's not a lineup change. He's not for sure out of the lineup. So it could just be sort of a, a message being sent in practice. And there's a chance that we could see Joshua uh, back in a top 12 forward spot uh, at morning skate today or, or in the game tonight, depending on whether it's an optional or not. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, the bottom six was jumbled a little bit. So we had Beauvillier with Suter and Garland and Hoaglander with Lafferty and Studnika. So it was Studnika coming back in and a tweaking in terms of kind of the identity of those lines. I think it's fair to say when you pulled Joshua out of it. On paper, a third line of Suter between Beauvillier and Garland should be able to produce, no? Yeah, you would hope so. And and when I was in the summer thinking about how they might try to construct their bottom six, this is sort of what I was thinking was, okay, you can have a a skilled line with guys that are essentially no longer a part of the top six with, you know, Beauvillier and Garland and you put Suter in the middle because he's a 15 goal guy and you could kind of use them like a third line that will probably get more like fourth line minutes and you Mm -hmm. get them out there on home ice in opportunistic situations to try and generate some more offense and then you have another line with the likes of you know Joshua I think at the time in the summer I was thinking it you know it might be Joshua Bluger and Di Giuseppe and that would be kind of your aggressive uh, aggressive line that you can use in a matchup role you're comfortable with them defensively but you don't expect a ton of offense now what has transpired since then of course is that Di Giuseppe is a bona fide top six forward on this team but you know, I think the thing, the thought remains the same anyway, especially with the addition of Lafferty, is that that other line could have the identity once Bluger gets back of being sort of a defensively stalwart, shut down kind of line. The problem is right now they don't have the personnel for that because Bluger's hurt. And, you know, I, I think it's clear that Joshua uh, is is 
not struggling. I think that's probably too strong a word, but Rick Tockett essentially said, you know, he needs to get going here, which has, you know, been sort of a, a steady refrain from the head coach. He said the same thing in training camp when he demoted him to the second practice group. So uh, Joshua hasn't hasn't shown as well as I think the head coach was hoping to start this year. Bluger's been hurt. They do have Lafferty, who I think would fit the identity of that line. But to me, that uh, Hoaglander, Lafferty, Stud, Nika line, if that's what we see tonight, kind of feels like the leftovers from, you know, the other three forward lines. And that's not to discredit any of those players because I thought Studnika had a good camp Mm -hmm. has worked really hard probably deserves a chance to get back in the lineup I've really liked Lafferty and what he brings I think Hoaglander's played some of his best hockey over the last couple of games so I'm interested to see what this bottom six shuffling ultimately results in going into the game tonight and then how quickly it changes because I don't think it's at a spot right now where you know that the two lines are going to roll over the boards exactly the same way every single time because you know there's still searching for some of that chemistry or consistency down their lineup. I think in theory, that fourth line of Lafferty, Hoaglander, and if it's Stanika could be a speedy fourth line, maybe a little bit pesky, but that's just in theory. Um, my What I'm most curious about tonight is to see if the Canucks continue their professional way of preparing and being prepared for opponents because if there is a game that where you're maybe wondering if they're feeling a little satisfied with themselves feeling a little happy pleased with themselves think of how it went friday night very good performance against st louis saturday night admirable effort against the New York Rangers and then Sunday was a day off and their Halloween party so they probably had some fun they were back at practice yesterday but these games like they are going to be favored to win this game and they're going to be favored to win Thursday against the San Jose Sharks even though that one's on the road so these are the types of games that if you are a serious hockey team you take care of business. Absolutely. And especially against a Nashville team that you just beat a week ago. So we'll have, you know, some sort of motivation in that regard to try and come into your building and and spoil this Halloween game tonight, just like you went into their building at the end of your road trip last week and held them to only 18 shots. So you know, professionalism, I think, has kind of been the buzzword over the, the past week and a half or so when Rick Tockett used it towards the end of the trip in terms of what he expected from his group and, and how they finished out the road trip. And we've seen that professionalism continue into the first two games on home ice, whether it was that, you know, decisive and comprehensive win over the Blues or the game against the Rangers, where, frankly, they deserved a better fate based on the way they played. And, you know, we know some of the officiating decisions went against them, which is going to happen over a long season Uh, so you hope anyway that coming out of that game where they played well against the Rangers but they ultimately lost they still have some of that you know fire that they need to get back in the win column and and we could very well see that tonight against the Predators. Uh, Nashville is a team that I don't think played very well against the Canucks, but is capable of showing better. So if they're not on their game and if they're not sharp going into this one tonight, Nashville is certainly a team that could put a scare into them. It's pretty hard to imagine things starting better for the Canucks. We had so much focus on the start and their first few games and not only have they performed well, they've only had one dud of a game and that was in Philly and they bounced back from that. Um, not only have they started well, but you look at the teams around them. Calgary's a mess. Uh, Edmonton has had a bad start. I still think they'll bounce back, but I'm not sure about Seattle. Seattle might be regressing a little bit and not in a good way. 
Um, is there anything that you can think of that could have gone better for this team? No, it's exactly the opposite of what I was expecting. Like coming into the season, I was, you know, people always ask me, oh, how are the Canucks going to be this year? And I would always say they will be better, but I'm not sure if it's going to be enough for them to make the playoffs because of how competitive this division is going to be. Mm -hmm. You've got the Oilers. You've got the Golden Knights. Calgary should probably be better. Seattle went on that playoff run last year, and the Canucks have to find a way into that mix. The Kings are going to be good as well if they want to try to make the playoffs. And instead, you know, Vegas has predictably been very good, but Seattle, Edmonton, and Calgary have all underperformed. And suddenly the door opens in a division that we thought was going to be incredibly competitive. And you know what? It's early in the season. It may still end up that way. Uh, the Canucks are are bound to have a slump at some point, you know, but we'll see how much they can limit the length of their, their losing skids this season. And I think that's going to ultimately determine how successful they are in terms of their chase for a playoff race is, you know, to me, when a team plays well and, and has some success, the difference between teams that become playoff teams or, or get into favorable spots and teams that don't are teams that can extend their winning runs when they go well and limit their losing runs when they're not playing well. So you can lose a game or two, but don't make it three or four or five. And if you're winning games, extend those winning streaks or those point streaks like they did by getting the point against the Rangers and make it in point streak, five game point streak if they can get points tonight, so on and so forth going forward. But in terms of what's happening around them, I don't think anybody predicted that the Oilers would have as many struggles to start the year as they have. And the Flames, who I thought might bounce back, have been absolutely dreadful. Yeah, so, they look awful. you know, yeah. So here's the thing is this is opportunity on top of the fact that you've had a good start. Like when talking about the start going into the year, we talked about, OK, have a good start so that you're not chasing so that you're not behind the eight ball so that you can hang around in the conversation. And it's not a second half where you're desperate for every two points because you need them to try and get back in the race. Now the conversation shifts to the exact polar opposite for me, which is keep winning games now while the other teams are struggling because you open up that gap and then it's them that are in those situations where they have to chase. So I, you know, short of them being undefeated and outscoring every team 10 to nothing, I don't think this season could have gone any better to start than it has to this point. But the important part now is that they have to build on it. They can't squander a good first portion of the season. Um, What has surprised you the most about the Canucks? I'll give an example for me. The success of the J.T. Miller, Brock Besser, Phil DiGiuseppe line. When when I heard that the Canucks were going to go with that line, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Brock Besser hasn't played particularly well for a while now. Phil DiGiuseppe has been between the AHL and the NHL for most of his career. Um, I didn't think that line had enough speed on it. And I actually thought, well, can't they get Mikheyev on that line, give it a little bit of speed? I have been so wrong about that because I think that's been their best line. I've been completely wrong about Di Giuseppe. Uh, you know, as I just you know alluded to earlier, I was penciling him in on a, a fourth line essentially coming into the year, and I can remember talking on one of the pregame shows 
in the preseason when Di Giuseppe was playing on that line and essentially saying, look, you know, Di Giuseppe's earned that spot. That's great for him. But realistically, if you want to be a good team, Phil Di Giuseppe's not a top six forward on your your team. He should be like a really good third line guy that can be part of a, a great third line that that can help you win games. But he's absolutely proven me wrong, and that line has found some sort of amazing chemistry where they're aggressive on the forecheck, they're able to create the turnovers, they play the 200-foot game, but then when they create the turnovers, they're capable of creating scoring chances out of them, and Di Giuseppe's mm-hmm. included in that. It's not like he's just the guy that's getting in there and winning those battles on the forecheck. He's a creative player, and we've seen that from him here as well. So I've been very impressed with that line. In terms of what surprised me most... Uh, their defensive play and and how solid and and structured they've looked defensively in some games, not all of them, but in some of them. And I think, you know, kind of uh, at the center of that is the Hughes-Heronic pairing and just how good they have been together, which, you know, uh, first of all, I didn't think we were going to see them paired very often. I thought it was going to be situational, like when you're trailing in a game and you need offense, you throw those two guys together. Um, but just how good they have been and how much they have limited opportunities for the opposition and how much uh, teams are unable to create or, or score when they're on the ice. And then by extension, the fact that the Canucks have or are tied for the best five-on-five goal differential in the NHL right now, there's no way I would have thought that this team would be that good defensively. I would have said, okay, they've got Ian Cole now, they've got Carson Soucy, Philip Heronik's healthy, they're going to be better defensively. But to be that good, to be that good at five-on-five in particular, to not be a team that is solely relying on their power play or largely relying on their power play to win them games, that to me is really surprising. And if that continues, then it sets up this team to not just have a good season, but to put themselves in a really good spot and a playoff spot and be a team that you could actually believe is not just sneaking into the playoffs, but might be able to scare some teams and and surprise some teams because you know, if you can defend well at five on five, if you can really limit other teams and top teams in the league, like the New York Rangers, like the Edmonton Oilers, in theory, in terms of their five on five offense, then you have a chance to win on every single night you step onto the ice. And that's not something we can say about the Vancouver Canucks of the past few years. The Canucks are going to be wearing their Halloween jerseys tonight, otherwise known as their black skate jerseys. Batch, have a good call and enjoy the game. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That's Brendan Batchelor, the play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks, right here on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, they're Halloween the- jerseys. They're their best jerseys. They're the Halloween jerseys. We're gonna- they should be their main Halloween jerseys. That's, um, why, that's why they were originally made for Halloween. Did you know that? I lied. Yeah, that's not, not. true at all. <laughs> yeah. nearly, I nearly no, I was, there. I, the gears were working. I was like, nah, that can't be right. <laughs> the Halloween magic in you wanted to believe. I would have believed the V, the v more than the skate. The no, v, the-, the V was victory after World War II. Did you know that? That's we all not know true it's, either. it's the You're colors of Vancouver at night on the water, according to Drance. <laughs> right, Drance with his <laughs> bizarre. Yeah, so we should mention you alluded to it there in the call that tonight is going to be. So it's the first game this year that the Canucks are going to wear uh, the black skate throwback jerseys. Heck yeah! I hope that doesn't jinx them. Two nights or two days after the Seahawks wore the throwbacks on Sunday, which were met with universal acclaim and universal praise. I and everyone that I spoke with in and around that game, thought that the Seahawks throwbacks were like chef's kiss, like piece de resistance. By the way, um, I got a funny story. John Shorthouse, mm-hmm. um, big Seahawks fan. Yep. Uh, 
he wanted to get a uh, Witherspoon jersey okay. after the Monday nighter in which Witherspoon went off and had that great game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but He's it, a real front runner. Yeah, he got, he, got, he got into the ground floor on that one. <laughs> but um, now this is, again, purely anecdotal, but I'm relaying the story. You can check it out for yourself. Um, when trying to get a personalized jersey, there was only a couple of them available. I think he went through Fanatics. So there was like a, a, a Metcalf, Geno Smith, Bobby Wagner. There was no Witherspoon available. So you had to go in and get it personalized. And there weren't enough characters in the, like, fill out the, the form, sorry, to put Witherspoon, which is 11 letters. You can only have a maximum of 10. So he was stuck potentially ordering a Witherspoon jersey. Oh, Witherspoon. Had to get someone to go all the way down to Seattle just to get a Witherspoon jersey, and he got it yesterday. Mm-hmm. But I said you should have got a Withers Poo jersey. You could have been the only one that was going to have one. That wait, is wait, incredible. he sent someone to go get it. Someone was going down to. <laughs> no, he didn't. Not like a butler. He didn't. <laughs> well, someone I was, was going down. I got to curious. The, someone like, was going. You down, sir, get me my jersey. Someone was going down to the Seahawks game on the yes, weekend. Mr. Shorthouse. Yeah, <laughs> he went for the sole purpose of getting a Witherspoon jersey. Anyway, that's enough throwback jersey talk. Do we have some what we learned we want to do here before we dive into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket? Yeah, I could. You have a I, bunch here yeah. listed, and I, I the mm-hmm. one that really jumps the front of mind is, of course, Lionel Messi. He won another golden balloon. Good for him. Those yeah. balloons are hard to come by. Yeah. So what what does that look like at the uh, ceremony? Does he just hold a golden balloon with helium in it? Is that- uh, How does it stay in the air? My yeah. idiot friend here is referring to the Ballon d'Or, which is the golden ball. Golden no, it's a golden ball. balloon. I'm pretty sure it's a golden balloon. Given, He's won eight of them. Yeah, I know. Given annually to the best performer in men's world football. So just a giant gold ball? It's not giant. It's just a ball. Oh, but you lost me here. You're going to have to explain this better. Does he is have it to, a balloon? Is it a ball? Does he have to hold what it the is entire it? time during the ceremony? He does not have to hold it the entire time like a child at the fair. <laughs> How much do you hate us right now? I don't. I just don't understand why we have to try and make this bit like a gigantic ball. Right. It's just a soccer ball. Okay. It's golden, right? Okay. So did he deserve this? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so how, how many golden balls? Did no, 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 re- no, no. But really, like, you, you know, like. It, well, okay. The funny part of this. I mean, there's is lots that of soccer players in the world, and a lot of them had good seasons. The, the one that people are joking with is like MLS now has as many Bellon Door winners right. as the Premier League had in the last 20 years. Yeah. One, right? A lot of people think that his, and it wasn't really the back half, but the later part of 2023, in which he, you know, went to Inter Miami mm-hmm. and. Had a really fun and exciting run in the League's Cup. Was that part of the decision, or was it mostly it's the all World part, Cup? I mean, it's 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 hard not to look at what's happened mm-hmm. lately and say, oh, that's a nice little crowning achievement. Because he did, while it's not, it's it, MLS is an inferior league, he yeah. did come in and completely torch the thing. Yes, yes, he did. Right? Yeah. Um, he's a deserving winner based on what he did with Argentina mm-hmm. at the, uh, the World Cup in Qatar. Um I, Who were the know, other candidates? Uh, Erling Holland and Kylian oh, okay. Mbappe. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and Holland's pretty good, right? But he, but but he has he actually has the disadvantage because Norway's not very good internationally. No, they're not at all. Yeah. And to, you got to understand, like if if Messi had retired after the World Cup, everyone would have said that's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. It, you've you've had this amazing accomplishment. It would be the per- perfect bookend to but your he career. Was like, I am going to America and set. 
MLS on fire. Yeah. And what he's make done, a lot of money. What he's done now is one, make a ton of money. Two, reinvent the sport in North America for the third or fourth time. Like they've had these sort of iterations of this is the boom, right? Mm-hmm. But this is really something that's unprecedented because of one, the tie-ins with Apple and Adidas. Two, it appears as though he's got a lot left in the tank, maybe more than everybody expected. And three, he just sort of scratched the surface with that League's Cup run about what this could mean over the course of a full year. So there, yes. You're, so congratulations you're, to Messi, another golden balloon yes. to add to his collection. Give us a moo on that. I want to read uh, a few texts yeah, a from... spooky moo. Moo. You know, like I... I, I I should have planned ahead, so I apologize. Okay, why, why don't you just you just set this one? Can up I do a quick uh, late breaking? What we learned, just so we can get out of the yes. way. Uh, the God. NHL Player Safety Department has announced that Charlie McAvoy will have a hearing. I saw that, or is hit on Oliver Ekman Larson. Yeah, if you missed it last night um, in the Bruins' three-two overtime victory, uh, McAvoy was given a match penalty for an illegal check to the head on poor OEL, mm-hmm. who's having a renaissance season in Florida. Now he's been knocked yeah, out of the lineup. That, that was, that was a, like that, the most blatant hit to the yeah, head I think was, I've ever seen. That was seen. a dirty play. That yep. was a dirty play. Jay from Delta. Do you guys see any good from Dakota Joshua since last year? I feel like with all the praise he got last year, he got too comfortable, shows up out of shape to training camp. I think anyone else can replace him. He has a big body and doesn't use it. He needs to be a pain to play against. That's exactly what Rick Tockett is saying. And it's unfortunate because Dakota Joshua is one of the few kind of quote-unquote, big bodies that the Canucks have. Uh, if you look at their bottom six tonight, their third line could have <laughs> Pew Suter between Connor Garland and Anthony Beauvillier. Mm-hmm. And as much as those guys have offensive talent, and I think they should be able to create scoring chances, especially if Taki can get them out uh, in some soft matchups tonight, you know, teams, that's the thing with the Canucks right now. You're going to you're gonna preview for the Canucks or you're going to scout against the Canucks. You're going to be like, man, they're top two lines, right? They're pretty yeah. good. You got the JT Miller line. You got the Elias Pettersson line. Um, so in theory, you could have a third line that takes advantage of some soft matchups, and hopefully that does happen tonight. But yeah, Dakota Joshua might have got too comfortable. I think these game's too quiet right now. If I was to classify it as one of the, That was what Ryan Huska said yeah. about Hubert and Kadri after the he does, he's just not great with the puck, right? But like that, he gets he gets the fine. puck on his stick, and you're kind of like, oh, it looks uncomfortable. But out you there. can make noise and not be a quiet player in many ways mm-hmm. in the NHL. Yeah. I don't think that he can afford to be a quiet player, given what he yeah. or how he broke into the mm-hmm. NHL and into this team. Right? Like again, you look at it and you're like, well, Bovillier hasn't really done anything. Bovillier, Bovillier really hasn't done anything. Um, but if you look at his history. You think that the goals will come because he's got a pretty decent track record of scoring. Um, and I, he has been kind of, I remember going back and reading about his time on the island, and he's a kind of a streaky scorer, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to say, okay, the offense will hopefully come there. Um, Garland, I think you kind of know what he is at this point. You know what he's going to bring, and more specifically, <laughs> what he's not going to bring. He's one foot out the door. That's what he is. Right. But Joshua doesn't have, I guess, for lack of a better term, that luxury that some of these other guys have of established NHLers. He needs to have a louder game. He needs to do, and I know this sounds like stupid analysis, but he needs to do more things. Mm-hmm. When he's out do on the ice. Do more things. Really? Like, you should be writing that down. Do more things. Because okay. that's what you need to do to stay in the lineup. Well, I wonder if he will be taken out of the lineup. Because I know Taka does want to have one big body in the bottom six. And Dakota Joshua also kills penalties. Now, Studnika could come in and kill. And they could also uh, put Ilya Mikheyev back in a penalty-killing role. But I still think they're going to want to be careful 
with Mikheyev's minutes and be patient with him as he returns to the lineup. So there is a little bit of intrigue well, with regards to the roster coming up for the Canucks against the Preds. But for me, it's more of a big picture thing. It's more of a big picture. Are they Have they matured enough to the point where they can get a well-deserved day off? They can go have some fun. JT Miller can dress like a Playboy bunny. And then they can get back to business in the next couple of days and remember all the things that they've been doing to make themselves successful. This is hopefully the maturation of the team that we're seeing, what they hope for. They get in a head coach that is going to lay down the law, but also hand over some of the um, the duties to a leadership group that includes a new captain in Quinn Hughes. Speaking of maturity, let's do a moo cow. Uh, and also a JT Miller, might as well mention, he's going to be on the show tomorrow, 7.30. Oh, we can promote that now. We're okay. allowed to talk about that. So JT Miller is going to join the Halford and Bruff show tomorrow at 7.30. All Halloween questions. Yes. Yeah. Favorite Exclusively. candy. <laughs> Best yep. outfit. Did you go trick-or-treating? Right. I cannot wait for this holiday to be over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, coming up on the Halford and Bruff show, we're going to be giving away some kiss tickets. We're going to do Humanoid What We Learns. That's all coming up next. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Big Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.33 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Happy Halloween, everybody. All the kids driving to school right now with their parents. All hopped up on Snickers and Mars bars. Take it easy on the candy today, okay? You got a big day ahead of you. Don't eat any tummy aches. This is the exact Don't. same advice that I gave Andy at the break. Yeah. Now I'm giving it to children. Be, be safe. Be careful. That's all I'm saying. Do you get, like, too excited on Halloween? Yes. Like, where sometimes there's some behavior problems? Yep. Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I get very excited. But, I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's not all bad. Tomorrow, it's only 364 more days till mm. Halloween. So. T- tell me about your day today. Well, I go home. I have a little nap. Okay. And then around uh, 4 o'clock, I put on Simpsons Halloween Special Marathon. Okay. And then there's the Canucks game. It's going to be great. Right. Yeah. The spookiest thing of all. Right. Canucks game. It's going to be awesome. And, 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 and they're wearing and, my favorite jerseys. And is your, place, is your place decorated? It's decorated. You I got the Halloween tree up and right. everything. And, well, and, is, there, is that a thing? I don't think so. Well, I feel like it could be for you. It could be. <laughs> yeah. If it uh, exists, yeah. you have it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I got everything set up. Okay, I got a big bowl like- of candy. I'm not dressing up. I've, I've kind of passed the dressing okay. up. What? Do you dress the cat up? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's focus on the listeners, shall we? It's time for Humanoid What We Learns. Fire up the dot matrix. Humanoid What We Learns are brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at getfireplan.com. We're going to start with the victor. Victors, whatever. 
we have a winner of the Kiss tickets for Tuesday. Wednesday, November 8th at Rogers Arena. Kiss. Yes, Kiss is coming to town. We're giving away a pair of tickets to... Johnny Angel, which sounds like a guy that's going to a Kiss concert. Yeah. What we learned... Or a porn shoot. This is from Johnny Angel, or like a magician. Uh, in July of 1977... I went to my first rock concert at the Pacific Coliseum. It was Kiss with Cheap Trick on the Love Gun Tour. Wow. I learned that night about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Now I'm 60. My drugs are anti-cholesterol drugs. Sex is with my wife of 30 years, but I still like to rock and roll. Let me relive my youth rock on. So Johnny Angel would have been, what, 14 at that concert? If he's I'm, 60 now? Something I was like told that. there would be no math. Yeah. Something like that. A long time ago. The I actually uh, Googled up that Love Gun Tour okay. in 1977. It went through some places, man. The old Saskatoon Arena, Whoa. which I think just like fell down. <laughs> the Seattle Center Coliseum. How does the arena just fall down? It the, just ceased to exist. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's too cold here, I'm out. Yeah. The Cow Palace. I went through the Cow Palace down in uh, San Francisco where the San Jose Sharks played their first uh, year. Uh, They played both forms, the form in Montreal and the form in Los Angeles. That was a long time ago. The Great Western Forum? The Pacific Coliseum would have been like pretty sparkly new at that point. That's true. We're going to the fancy new Pacific Coliseum. Well, I guess it would have been, what, seven or eight years old? Something um, like that, because they definitely had, well, the Canucks started there in 1970. They had the 1972 Summit Series, but it was still pretty sparkly new. So congratulations to Johnny Angel. Go relive your youth. Uh, okay, let's do some other What We Learns now that we've given away the tickets. We've taken care of all of our business. Unsigned one here, but I did want to bring this up because when we were talking about the World Series earlier, I was remiss in passing this along. Hashtag WWO What We Learned. I learned two things. One... The Texas Rangers are 9-for-9 nine nine in wins on the road in this year's playoffs. Yeah, the Rangers are 9-0 and on the road. They're the only team in MLB history to have a 9-0 and postseason. That's Incredible. crazy, man. It's just insane. Ro- they just don't lose on the road. And they're not that good at home. Also, they are now just two wins away from escaping baseball sad club. Mm-hmm. It, this is not in, resonating, in, in, though. In what way are they going to blow this? I don't know. In true sad club fashion. See, they the Rangers, Laddie, you can help me with my memory's a little fuzzy on this. The Rangers have maybe the cruelest of all the near sad club escapes because they were one strike away, right? And it was was the David Freeze game? Yeah, they were one out away, and it was Nelson Cruz in right field, one catch away. That was was David Freeze. Yeah, from ending it and then ended up spiraling on. What do you think of when you think of the Texas Rangers? I think of Nolan Nolan Ryan Ryan. and W. Nolan Ryan. George W. Bush. Nolan Ryan beating up Robin Ventura. Yeah. Um, that's it. Jose Canseco's home run going off his head. That was as a member of the, the Odor Texas punch Rangers. with Batista. Oh, Rudet right, Odor yeah, yeah. knocking out Joey. Or he didn't knock well, him out. Actually, he didn't even knock him off his feet. But it should have. They don't that have that punch landed clean enough to knock anybody out. They, I gave Bats a lot of credit for that. They don't have a rich history. No, not at all. Um, they have the opposite Ryan, of a because right? Nolan Ryan's now in that sort of like presidential mm. ambassador role, right? Uh, basketball filled with what we learned. The Raptors shot four for twenty nine from three. Are one and three in their next five. They play Milwaukee, Philly, San Antonio, Dallas, Boston. They might be one and eight. And this is not a draft to tank for. We haven't talked about the Raptors at all. And you're apparently a Raptors fan. I watched a game last night. Not pretty. Can't shoot. Not pleasant. They lost to a not great Portland Trailblazers team. And here's the worst part is that Scotty Barnes is actually playing really well. So they're doing this with one of their best players playing good basketball. Right. Uh, they're just, they don't look. 
Well, one, they don't look like they can shoot. Period. Yeah, that's so important in basketball, I find, too. You know, it's that's more of the good analysis you they, get from Halford and Brough in the morning. They say yeah. it's a make-or-miss league. That's what they say. Yeah, it is a make-or-miss league. That's very good analysis. 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 Yeah. But, yeah, they. Um, well, it's funny. I don't know if it's early in the season stuff because I watched the Lakers game last night, too, and they were horrendous from beyond the arc, so maybe it's a little of ironing it out. But the Raptors were bad shooting last year. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. You can improve your team in a lot of ways, but if you're not a good shooting team you're not a good shooting team. You understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. There's no internal improvement. Yeah, like if you're a bad shooter... Get better at shooting, guys. Like, yeah, we're you, trying. You can practice a million shots, but the reality of it is if you're not a good shooting team, you're not a good shooting team. Well, That's, maybe with a million shots, you'd get better. You need a billion. Okay. Can I do a couple what we learned? Sure, buddy. One yeah, that stuck out to me. One, this one from Rager from a while ago. Uh, what we learned is Jamie and Duran's talking yesterday pointed out that after this Canucks start and the points they've banked, they now only have to stay at a 92-point pace, which is just a hair over 500 to make the playoffs. Yeah. Hashtag the start. I heard this because Rob Rossi had a similar tweet the other night in the inverse yeah, about Pittsburgh. the Penguins because they're three and six now. How, how they hadn't built up a cushion. So, so they this is like to, legit. This is like, because that's pretty, pretty cool. Dude, did you think they were like lying on the math? Like the Canucks know. are off to a good I, I, start. I'm bad, I'm bad right? at math. So, <laughs> well, what's Friedman's big stat after November 5th? Very few teams ever make it out of the hole. Yeah, he uses November fifth. Yeah. There's obviously the American Thanksgiving one as well, and he uses a specific point deficit or five yeah. or six points or something like that. I mean, we said this earlier in the show. Clearly, you weren't paying attention, but nope. we said this earlier in the show. It does not matter when you can build a cushion in this league; you take it. It does, mm-hmm. like an I early season, part. mid-season, yeah. late season. It doesn't matter when; they're all hugely important. You use the word cushion a lot, so I was picturing a cushion. In my right, because you were comfy and you wanted yeah. to sleep. You wanted right. a nap. Um, like, like Hank, Hank Hill's cushion. Yeah. His medical cushion. <laughs> well, uh, the Canucks have had depleted boots for the last couple of years, right? There's no cushion. We got to yeah. focus. Right? One, yeah. they were more like gel pads because that's how he got sabotaged. Just someone poked oh, yeah, 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 yeah. okay. the anyway. Well, still, it's cushioning. Uh, Power we three learned? won the race, though. Okay, did you have another one? Yeah, yeah, quick one. Okay. Uh, this just came in from Chris and Ridge, and I want your opinions on it. The sample size. <laughs> so were, was that was your what we learned was like, did you hear what Dran said? Is that true? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I just wanted you guys to speak on it like journalists, like professionals. No. Why don't you go to some journalists then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to find My those. fault. You're right. <laughs> not going to find those in the dumb morning <laughs> All show. Right. What's your next uh, one? The sample size of Shorty calling 420 left in the period has grown enough that I'm convinced it's not a coincidence. What we learned. Have you guys noticed? this a, an ongoing trend for shorty does he know uh, what he's doing i have not 420 is it a, yeah, four, it, four, is a reference to what now i don't know but yeah, he keeps saying I send shorty four, down and i have the batch call <laughs> <laughs> no nonsense <laughs> no funny references hey he threw that the thing at the refs after the the overtime winner the i was game. i was gonna ask batch actually because he kind of went down that road talking about the rangers game and how the canucks deserved a better fate he, i mean it's it's such red meat Mm-hmm. For our listenership, you don't even really need to ask a question. Yeah. Usually, like, talk about the refereeing and how bad it is, and then you could go on your rant. But I decided not to. Batch probably is got the refereeing of- keep, keeping us all down in our lives. Yes, it yes. is. It, are referees out to get us? Absolutely. 100%. Uh, unsigned, what we learn Australia has decided not to bid for the 2034 World Cup, paving the way for Big Sigh. Saudi Arabia to be the host country where the likes of Jordan Henderson are playing in front of 700 people. Yeah, the 2034 World Cup does look like it could go to Saudi Arabia. Of course, the 2030 World Cup 
is going to Morocco, Portugal, and Spain with some help from Argentina, Paraguay, and Uruguay yeah, in the 2026 World Cup, as Laddie, we all know, is North America. Laddie's giving us the eyes there. Yeah, Counting all those countries on my hands here. The World Cup has moved into the same territory as the Olympics, where a lot of countries look at it and they're like, that's going to cost us a lot of money. Yeah, we can't afford that. And Saudi Arabia's like, ooh, 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 we can. So Saudi Arabia, they, I think just to kind of push everyone away from trying to bid, mm -hmm. they put a letter of intent for their bid. Like, so that everyone just knew they're like, don't even bother yeah, yeah, bidding, yeah. right? Yeah. It's when, yeah, it's like you show up at an auction with a big sack of money. Only live golfers are going to be allowed to participate in the golf part. Right. Some, some countries like should they, bid one cent the Olympics. more. Yeah. yeah, you go in Price is Right style. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would like to what sit are, in a like, bid. Speak, speaking of the Olympics, like, yes. what are... What's going on with the Olympics, like in general? Yeah, it's just like that feels the, like a big question. No, no, no. Who are the? Okay, Paris has got the next one, right? Yes. What's the winter one after that? Like, do we even know about Italy? this stuff anymore? Is it okay, Italy, and that's then after one that, the, that's one that the um, the NHL wants to get back. Mm -hmm. um, after that, I I don't know off the top of my head. Los Angeles. Right. Yeah. Paris. Are you LA. still thinking about entering yeah. that one in the breaking category, or are you, uh, you I, up that dream? You know what? I'm holding out hope to make the Canadian flag football team. So you might be playing against NFLers. It sounds like. Yeah, I don't. I, I I will table that discussion for now. I feel like that's a whole other thing. Um, okay. This we, we meant to do this yesterday and we didn't. Andy had it for us. What we learned from Colin and Tawasson. Hashtag WW. What we learned. Joe Thornton has officially retired. Mm -hmm. The Joe Thornton-led San Jose Sharks used to dominate the Canucks back in the late 2000s. I think an underrated story of that Canucks team was that it wasn't until they figured out how to beat the Sharks in the regular season that the Canucks really became an elite team for the first time. Well, in the playoffs too, Colin. I'll never... It's funny because on that 2011 Power run... Power play just killed the Sharks. I feel... Because we were there. We went down to San Jose and it was an amazing moment. I don't want to like rub salt in because we're very fortunate to be able to do these things and go on these trips that we went on. But that one, I just, I have to say, watching 5,000, 6,000 Canucks fans infiltrate an away building, watching the team put on the performance that they did and do it in that very quintessential 2011 Canucks way because they took all the dumb penalties by the Sharks, like was it Ben Eager running around like a moron, mm -hmm. and then just killed them on the power play. Yeah. Just, they're like, please take more penalties. We are going to annihilate. hammering away. And then in the concourse in What's San that? Jose afterwards, yeah. we were, there was like 5,000 Canucks fans. It felt like 5,000 anyway, singing and chanting mm -hmm. and jumping and cheering because the Stanley Cup final was in sight, in grasp. And to the Joel Thornton part of this, um, one of my favorite players of the last two decades. I loved Jumbo Joe. It's going to be another. It was about. It's going to be another first ballot Hall of Famer without a cup. Oh yeah, he is first ballot. Like I think he's mm -hmm. seventh. Uh, I want to say seventh all time in points. He's in the top ten if I'm not mistaken. I got. But this is just. You know be, what? I got to double check that. But but this is just going to become more common, right? These first yeah. ballot Hall of Famers without a cup because there's so many teams now. Yep. Well, I mean, He's we saw anymore, so. Henrik Lundqvist, Roberto Luongo. The um, Yeah, and Joe Thornton now as well. But a happy trails to Joe Thornton, who, by the way, hasn't played in a couple of years. And in his goodbye video, he kind of said, like, I thought you guys would have put He's the piece. He's 12th. 12th, thank you. Was he shirtless in that video, too? He was shirtless. Yeah, he was. He had a funny hat on. <laughs> he looked like, who's, no. the guy that, who's the guy that looks after Curious George? The what? man with the yellow hat. The man in the yellow hat? Yeah, he looked like that. That was a hat he had. <laughs> Did the men with the yellow hat often have a beard and walk around shirtless? Yeah, I don't no, remember no, those no, books. Yeah. Joe Thornton's That's a hat. Get your curious, George. George. Just his hat. Yeah. 
Joe oh, Thornton's okay. hay was like the same hat that the guy. Okay. I don't know what Curious George books you're reading, but yeah, yeah. it's like the same hat. Off-brand. He's wearing the same hat. He's wearing a Curious George hat. Your, your man with the yellow hat looks like Joe Thornton? Is that what you're saying? No, the hat. <laughs> Damn it, the hat. His name is the man in the yellow hat. That was your takeaway, though? You, wow. watch, you watched that video? It was like, not the takeaway. I spoke like, for three minutes before that about It's like, the remember Curious, the, Curious George? Did you call him Curious the George? Curious the George. Uh, John with what we learned. Um, I thought... John writes, I thought I had matured over the last decade or so, maybe having kids push me towards adulthood, and I just didn't care for trivial things like sports outcomes anymore. This weekend, I learned I can still swear to TV. Maybe in the coming weeks, I'll even throw a remote. Most importantly, I learned it wasn't me, it was them. Hey, guys. There are some people out there, and I've noticed them on social media, they're like, I always supported the team. I was always behind the Canucks. And I'm like, good for you. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. You deserve an award of some sort. The rest of us were pretty upset with this team. Yeah. They were not playing well. And you know how we know? Because now they can all admit it. Yeah. <laughs> right? They can all just be like, yeah, we were pretty bad. And now we're doing different things, like playing with structure and taking games, quote-unquote, seriously and getting our sleep and rest and, you know, like acting quotes. like professionals. Well, we posted well, that. Why are you air, air quoting professionals? Yeah. We're, We're acting, acting like, like professionals, professionals, right? <laughs> Trying not to lose hockey games. Yeah. Uh, we we, we get, know when the games start. <laughs> we know how to do line changes. Uh, uh, except against New York. Um, they We, we po- posted that clip yesterday talking about the sort of re-energization of the fan base. Mm-hmm. And some people were like, well, I've been a fan the entire time. The real ones have been real fans. Yeah, but there was a lot of apathy in the market. We mm-hmm. noticed it. We felt it. We were two of the apathetic ones, and we do this for a living. <laughs> like it, it, it happened, and you can't ignore it. It's great that it's back. You're pathetic, um, all right. Thank you, Vladdy. Uh, Chuck in Vancouver, what we learned. After listening to the Eric Francis interview, I learned that Calgary's Jonathan Huberto trade is basically... The Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson trade. Chuck, that is really well done. There are a lot of similarities between those two. I went back and looked. So I I remember when they signed Huberto to the extension, which, by the way, was the most expensive contract in Calgary Flames history. And they did it in August. Like They pulled the trade off, and they were like, we're sure about you. They wasted no time. Mm-hmm. They were like, first date, second date, we're getting married. Because they didn't want to go through a Gaudreau situation, right? He, he was appending you off. There was right? a sense of desperation there, for sure. Yeah. Like, I've been, Please sign this. So, like, you ever, yeah, you get a buddy, and you know they break up with their significant other. Mm-hmm. And then the next person that they date... I've like, met someone, and I think it's the one. <laughs> Guys, I don't want to overstate this, but I am in love. <laughs> that was the Calgary Flames and Jonathan Huberto. They didn't even move in together. And they, they did I regret a lot. <laughs> I'm stuck with her. Uh, I'll say and this. Another divorce. But they could have waited a little bit. Like the living together analogy is watching Jonathan Huberto play, I don't know, a single solitary yeah, game yeah. in a Flames uniform to see if it was going to work out. Yeah. But they just went in head first. And that's exactly what Denver did with Russell think, Wilson. Do you think it's possible that Huberto is just cold? Constantly? Just cold. Just like, you know how some people are cold? Perpetually cold. Yeah. Like, maybe he maybe he just he does better in a warm climate. Calgary is incredibly cold. Yeah, yeah it was right? cold like it, was the, it is the coldest I've ever been in Canada. Can you imagine? I've been all over the country. Calgary is the coldest place I've ever been to. Can you imagine, like, Craig Conroy's at the interview, and you're like, Craig, what's going on with Jonathan Huberto? He's like, well... 
He's cold. He's a bit chilly. <laughs> We've knitted him several sweaters. He's worn them. His play has not improved. Um, Gilmore with what we learned. The Calgary Flames were chasing a roster to stop McDavid in the playoffs the same way the Canucks were chasing team toughness after losing to the Bruins in the Stanley Cup final. I don't know about that. I get I get what I get where you're coming from, Gilmore, because they did bring in a guy like Kadri, who is considered, you know, shutdown center, two way center. Mm-hmm. I honestly just think they took what was available. You know? They just that's that's how they built their roster and that's the way they spun it. Remember when they brought in um, Kadri and they had guys like Uyghur uh, and they were kind of like yeah you know like we might not score as many goals this year but I think if we get to the playoffs we're going to be the type of team that does better right and that was the spin and they were only right about one thing they scored fewer goals and right now if you watch the Calgary Flames trying to create any semblance of offense mm-hmm. like they'll get a few I mean they're a hockey team and they got decent players on it but they just look so out of answers. And I think the real indictment is how they've played while they've been trailing. Mm-hmm. And they trailed the Rangers. They trailed St. Louis. They trailed Edmonton. And they just couldn't get anything going. And that's when score effects should kick in, right? Like, that's when you really should have this push. But I just don't think they have any plan whatsoever. And there's obviously no chemistry because they keep juggling the lines. Uh, Marcus and Gibson's with what we learned. Hashtag WWL, what we learned. Aaron Rodgers is throwing again on the sidelines. Actually might be back before season's end. In a NFL season, which has been unpredictable, to put it mildly, we could very well see a guy that's damn near close to 40 tear his Achilles and return in the same season. Because I don't know how. I've watched enough of their games. The Jets are 4-3. and three. They have no reason to be... A four-win football team, but they are. And now you look at their schedule, and they're like, well, they've got the Chargers, and then they've got the Raiders. Mm-hmm. They could seriously be 6-3 and three halfway through the season. They could very well be on the fringes of the playoffs. Again, no reason why. They haven't played. They've got a great defense, for sure. But that game on the weekend mm-hmm. against the Giants was one of the worst exhibitions of football I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. Was they- it raining? Uh, it, it was a little wet, wasn't it? It was. So, yeah. and there was missed field goals in that game, but it was mm-hmm. also a, it was the greatest kicking game on earth because they combined for twenty four punts. Well, except for teams. all the missed field goals. Well, those were bad, but the yeah. punts were great, and it was a real great day for punters. God bless the punters. Uh, out there. Danny and Brookswood. What we learned, we learned that it feels amazing that the Canucks will not be out of playoff contention by the time the World Series trophy is handed out. That is nice. Is the World Series on right now? It is. Garcia might be hurt. That's baseball, right? And Scherzer. Scherzer, and Scherzer. Scherzer's got a bad back. Garcia's got a sore oh, shoulder. Is this a or sad back. club? Is this a sad club coming into play for the Texas Rangers? If something is going to undo the Rangers' success, it could be losing a Cy Young caliber pitcher and the best player in the playoffs. So that might do it. Ooh, spooky music. That can only mean one thing. <laughs> well, two things. One, Andy's going to laugh. And we're going to go for the day. It's been a lot of fun. Enjoy Halloween, everyone. Do it safely, though, please. Signing off for now, I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.